You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to In the Open. It's Teresa. I'm back. Today, we're going to talk about can I accept myself? If anybody is following, just so you know, I had a really intense, depressed episode for about three months between January and March. (laughs) Some crying on the podcast. A lot of (laughs) self-hatred. We did a bunch of sessions around the conversations around ourselves, right? Being an extrovert, being an introvert, what's that like? What are the differences? How to be friends with people? How to have conversations? Because all of that is tied to who we are as individuals. And today, I think this topic brings it all together because label, no label, introverted, extroverted, at the end of the day, we're talking about can you accept yourself and can I accept myself? It's the intellectualizing brain of me right now when you say that out loud is like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense because my immediate emotional brain said, run. (laughs) I mean, my immediate emotional brain said run and I don't know why. And it was like, I don't even know who I am. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I like that you can pinpoint the immediate reactions to want to run away. And I think that is so normal around. Is it? (laughs) Yeah, dude, totally. Because you have to face stuff that you may not, you may not be ready to, you know, you're like, God, I don't even want to think about it. And so that's okay. So today, maybe you skip this session if you're not in that headspace, right? It's so funny because the second you were like, well, am I an introvert? Am I an extrovert? Am I depressed or anxious? That makes me feel fine. I'm all, oh, that's the safe space. I could talk about that because my brain wanted to run away when I saw, can I accept myself? Because, you know, you and I have talked about self-love mm-hmm. and just sitting in the space of accepting me, which I think is different than accepting parts of me or the label of who I think that I am. Yes. And that's probably – if I have to slow down and ask myself why I wanted to run, it's because deep inside I think that I'm trash and that I think I sh- – and this is – it's horrible that that mind space that you can be in where you literally don't love yourself. And I hate that my brain does that. I recognize that that's my depressed brain. That's not me. So I'm I'm just have I have to work through that to get to where you are at. And I don't know where you're at when we decided to tackle this topic. <laughs> like I feel everything you're saying. I I just last night I was I was having a conversation and I was like, these are the ways that I process things. Do you remember we had a conversation about how like I need to do things? I have to I have like lists and lists and lists of things to do. Mm-hmm. I remember at the end of that conversation, like, oh my God, I feel so heavy. And it was because it's tied to my self-worth, right? Like what I believe is connected to who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. But that's something I have to work through. And it's exact kind of thinking, right? It's an aspect of who I am. It's not me. It's my brain trying to pinpoint me into this one little corner. So I think it's really important 
to expand in, in the way that we can help people feel okay to not really feel okay. Like you don't have to freaking accept the fact that you're an introvert or an extrovert, or you don't even have to know. You just have to be okay with being who you are. We don't treat mental illnesses the same. It sucks because people are like, well, my mental illness isn't a crutch. It's not an excuse, but I'm watching myself destroy my life and my relationships. And I'm watching the people who are closest to me pull away. And then when I come out of it, I just feel like crap. Then you're just left with the shame of, I don't know how to apologize or that I have to keep apologizing to you for the ways that I'm, I mistreat someone or what I feel like is mistreating. And this is me today after decades of working on it. It's worse, I think, when when I was younger and I wasn't working on it. And the only way to save others was to basically avoid everything, mm -hmm. which I had to work through to not do that. As a therapist, I also work with a lot of people who are in that space, you know, and if it's so, it's such a painful space to be. It's so chaotic. I hear the chaos in your voice. And I wonder if a question that maybe helps bring some some direction is given that you've been in this space for so long and you know are fully aware that your brain works against you have you come to a place where you can definitely say the crap that my brain is trying to do to me is not good for me and i can still move forward because I can accept myself. So it's not like a decision, you know, okay. that you make once and it's done. And oh, I can yeah, just totally. wake up, right? You yeah. know that. So yeah. like every time I have an episode, I'm definitely in the consequences of the episode. I have to go through that process of repair mm -hmm. and like checking in with the people in my life and being like, hey, I'm sorry, I totally ignored you <laughs> for three months. Like, I promise I still like you. <laughs> or I'm sorry that we fought so much and that I was kind of a jerk. Our bodies can just take control of us in times where we don't feel in control of our faculties. And I think in those moments, you have micro experiences of what it feels like to feel out of control and then have to come back and apologize. So me accepting myself is tied to those two things. It's how I feel about myself, how I'm forgiving myself, but whether or not other people forgive me. I would never choose this path. Mm -hmm. It's like grieving. Maybe that makes the most sense for this topic. Can I accept myself? Can I get myself to acceptance? about the fact that I live with a chronic mental health condition. It will never go away. We do not have a cure. What does it mean for me to accept that this is my life? Which let me tell you, every time I realize that people's brains are not like this, I get mad and I move to like the anger stage of grief. And it's probably the hardest to stay in acceptance. And then there's so much labeling. I think that's what makes it especially hard for society to accept yourself because from a medical perspective, somebody has labeled this a disease, like it's a problem and I'm the problem. Where's the compassion there? Like I, my brain is a certain way. It was complicated by my environment and my life experiences. I can't take back history. I can't give myself a new brain. 
in the best moments of my life, I think I come to this place where I can say that I love myself and that I see that even though I have a brain that's self-destructive, that it also offers me a lot of strengths and perspective and compassion. You have me thinking. I'm trying to process everything that you said because there's so many important bits of info there that I feel this idea of the of coming to acceptance is something that is ever evolving, right? Like I've accepted this X thing about me today, but this thing is probably not going to be the same two years from now. And so there is an evolution that has to happen. And within that evolution, it also requires for you to adapt. And that adaptation then pushes you into new spaces that then pushes yourself and your emotions back into this like, oh my God, I have to go through this whole process again. And then, you know, you're kind of in this um, continuous loop of change. And that can be very disconcerting because you're like, when the hell am I ever going to get to this place where I just am? Like, I just, this is it. It's true. It is disconcerting, frustrating. It feels like falling back. What I do like what you're saying, though, is about the evolution So if we talk about coming to acceptance as a modality of grief, and if I can extend the self-love and the strengths approach, Mm -hmm. which I think the best part of mental health groups try to think about what that means is I'm not just accepting my brain the way it is. I'm learning to love what it offers me, which is so hard because I think that is where society has really told us that certain personalities are just unlovable, unwell, sick, right? Mm -hmm. And I love some of the younger generation because they're really talking about this idea that there's nothing wrong with me. Like there's something wrong with a society that forces everybody to conform to a specific persona in order to be accepted, which increases shame. And I feel that so much. I feel if I have to define the most large feeling I feel during an episode, it is shame tied to self-hatred. So like, what would my life be like to recover from sadness and anxiety and loss of my faculties and and reality if I did not feel shame is tied to the question of can I accept myself and probably the hardest thing to do living in this human world that we live in. I definitely appreciate the perspective that you're that you're giving. And I, I wonder, okay, so where your shame is tied to uh, the episodes that you may experience, my shame may not be tied to an episode, but it's tied to my inability to do all the things on my list because I feel like I'm I'm not giving enough of myself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are parallels in how we as people in general then have to navigate those spaces and really work, I'm going to say in favor of ourselves because the norm is to work against ourselves, right? That we are like, oh, you suck you're not good enough, you're never going to do this thing, and you, see, you try there, but you failed, you know, so all that negative talk 
is consistently there. The harder part of that, I think for me in my experience is telling that voice to like shut up. Yeah. And it's very similar to what you're talking about. Even like, um, I know there's a whole movement around, um, accepting your body, right? Where there's a lot of negative perception around bigger bodies and things like that. There's this whole other movement similar to what you're talking about, about just acceptance. It's like, yeah. how about you're thankful that you have a body that can move, that can move you from place to place that is able to do these things. And I think that's the broader part of the conversation that is so often left out of the discussion because the medical model of stuff and everything that works against us is it's, it's basically that, well, there are all these things that are wrong with you. If you take this X thing, it's going to make you feel better. If you do this X thing, it's going to get you on the right road to whatever. And it's like, how about I just find my own way and I'm okay with that. And if I fumble, I fumble. And at the end of the day, at least I'm trying to do something for myself. Yeah. Or even adding both in, because I mm. think when you're trying to get better, you try everything you can to get better. But when something doesn't work, then you feel like it's your fault that it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And that's because the system itself didn't say, hey, you know what? These options for people that we give people, they don't work for everyone. And let's talk about what it means to live with a broken leg or live with a broken brain and how that's going to be difficult, but also going to show you a lot of cool things. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree with you that we never do that last part and it just leaves a lot of people hanging and yeah. to feel like failures all the time and not able to move to acceptance because I am either progressing or I'm a failure. <laughs> I can't just be who I am and be okay. Oh my um, God. I, I don't even know what it feels like to if if I imagine what it feels like to have started my whole life thinking that way, I think I would be a different person today instead of feeling as much shame as I do, which adds to all the layers of the insecurity and the never good enough. I love that you brought that expectation in, right? Because I think the expectation is that I'm supposed to be happy and productive mm -hmm. and helpful and kind and <laughs> laughing and joyful and strong and beautiful. Why is sad and compassionate and forlorn about the world not seen as good when that perspective helps you actually see people? Like, yeah, I feel like my depression helps me see people. To slow down. I think it's much harder on on us to be willing. And it and it comes back to this place where we've talked about before about just sitting in that discomfort, right? To be able to be like, this is me. But the world around me, it ain't pretty. Yeah. So I have learned how to navigate in all of these different spaces. And part of that then requires for us to build up the tools that we have, the coping skills that we have, the tools that we have at our disposal to be able to provide some self-care, but more importantly, and tied to it is, is protect ourselves in a way that is not going to hurt us. Hurt us, hurt others. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been doing work 
and just understanding some of the the thought processes that just pop up in my brain and I'm like, oh my God, where does this come from, dude? Mm-hmm. And part of that is this conversation, right? All of these conversations that we've had in these last few weeks where the way that we interact with people oftentimes is a learned behavior. Other other things, it's, you know, we've adopted certain behaviors out of safety, out of protection. And then when we seek out opportunities to really engage with other people, to safely move into these spaces where we want to connect with others, I have found, and I think through some of the conversations we've had, we've learned that you have to put yourself out there in a very measured way so that you're not taken aback when you may feel rejection, but also feel joy that you can find people that have very similar thoughts and can fill a space for you, a very meaningful space in your life to support you. Yeah. I think those are the relationships and the choices that I've made that have saved me. Mm-hmm. Having the relationships, putting myself out there in the right way to make sure that I'm exposing myself to the people and the choices that I make myself that I know are moving me towards health and self-acceptance and then self-love and gratitude is so hard, but it's what recovery looks like. It looks That's what healing looks like. And it has definitely saved me. It's really funny too because I cannot stop thinking about that introversion thing because I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. <laughs> I think that what is very clear is that I have complex PTSD and I have debilitating insecurity. <laughs> it's funny how those conversations just keep us thinking. And I think that's that's what's worthwhile around um, our sessions. And then I started pushing myself to think, well, who the hell tells you you have to be either one? Who says? I asked somebody that question. They're like, I don't know, a little bit of both. And I was like, what? That's so freeing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I I think I'm there. I'm, I'm a mix of both. There are things about myself that I still would want to push myself on, right? So that I could get out, meet new people, do more things. But I also know like, if I put like this gigantic goal in front of my face that says, oh, you're going to go meet 20 new people. I don't know that I could do that. Yeah. So I, uh, I love what you're saying because it also reminds you that self-acceptance is the journey itself is what's cool. So when you were like, I love this space that we have to process. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm also not supposed to land somewhere. There's not some day where I'm, I wake up and I think, ah, oh, I know who I am. <laughs> but my brain does tell me that. Like it's, it tells me, and I don't know where that idea comes from, that I'm supposed to get to this self-actualization where I know who I am and I feel confident in who I am. And like, who said that? Maybe the best part of this life is to stay, I mean, so much of mindfulness practice says do that, right? Stay right here. There's nowhere you're supposed to be. Learn to appreciate this moment, this journey, this conversation. There's no end goal. There's no coming to accept yourself. 
I don't need to get to a place where I like know exactly who I am. Like I, yeah. I if I can say to myself, I accept that I am a constantly growing human being. That's fabulous. That's what I heard you say that I yeah. think is really awesome. It's like myself is someone who is constantly changing, constantly growing. I don't accepting myself is accepting who I am in this moment and who I who I'm working to be, but I don't have to go somewhere. I don't have to be somebody. Is that a song? Yes, it is. Is that from Sister Act? I think so, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are my final thoughts. I don't know if I have anything yeah, more. Yeah, any than that. any millennials that are listening, like, what the hell, is Sister Act? Sister Act. <laughs> I know. When I think about myself and the things that I strive for, it is getting to a place of just saying, "Okay, I'm cool with that. I'm going to work on it, but I can take this. I, I'm I'm cool with that." Yeah. Well, I feel better. I'm glad. Yeah, I started the session with full avoidance and fear. <laughs> Thanks, America. You're welcome. Um, this is our last session closing out this kind of series. We're going to embark on a different conversation next week. So be on the lookout for next week's session. Thanks, guys. Keep fighting in the open. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.